who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair, yep. his ice-cold demeanor, and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. My name is Sergeant Andrew Scott. Come on, guys, don't do this. If I don't get breakfast, I get real grumpy. I don't think you like me grumpy. And you go in pieces, asshole. Let's kick some ass. Hello, and welcome back to I Must Break This Podcast the fan podcast looking at the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Today, we're going to 2016 and discussing the female-led fighting flick, Female Fight Squad. In this film, martial arts sensation Amy Johnston takes the lead as Becca, a former fighter who must return to the world she left behind and win an underground female fighting tournament in order to save her estranged sister. Dolph Lundgren portrays Holt, the girl's wrongly imprisoned father, who pulls strings on the inside in order to help his daughters not only win the tournament, but also take down the sadistic promoter running it. I let my dad take a fall for a crime he didn't even commit. Ladies and gentlemen, you know the game. You know the rules. No weapons. No dying. Hey, Dad, what's up? Your sister called a couple of days ago. She got me worried. I owe money to some very bad people. Pot's 150K. I'm not gonna fight. I'm not asking you to. Just help me win. If you don't help your sister, everything we've done will be for nothing. I've got other girls, too. Can they fight? Next. They're going to drag you back to that snake pit. You should just go. It's not another win. Who's going to pay me back? I have a bad feeling about this. I'm going to play a little game. I'm going to find your father, and I'm going to kill him. Don't come near my family again. Revenge. Is in the blood. Amy Johnston. Courtney Palm. And Dolph Lundgren. We can fix this. This is not revenge. This is justice. Female Fight Squad. I'm your host, Sean, and joining me today is the ultimate honor. I'll just get that right out of the way right now. Uh, (laughs) Joining me today to discuss this one is the elusive but very public uber fan of action cinema, Vern, author of the books Psychology, Nike Town, and Worm on a Hook. His numerous reviews can also be found on his signature website, outlawvern.com. Vern, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you. I'm very excited. I'm excited to be here. Well, I wanted to talk with you. I mean, I'm just going to get it out of the way right now. Okay. Um, I I really didn't start reading your stuff until it was the publication of Sagology. I remember picking that up in the summer of... 2008, I believe it was. Yes, 2008. And I've been uh, a loyal follower reading your stuff ever since. And I'm just going to say it right now as well. Um, Sagology was actually one of the uh, uh, one of the things, I guess you could say it was the impetus in getting me uh, started with this project here. I actually considered putting together a book looking at Mr. Lundgren and all of his films. But as I'm sure you can attest, putting together a, uh, a book is a very long and laborious process. So I just kind of was like, eh, I'll go the easy route. I'll do a podcast instead. So, <laughs> Well, that, that's, that's great to hear. I'm happy if I, if I gave any kind of small inspiration. 
Well, yeah, of course. I mean, and I wanted to talk with you about your website and books real quick. Um, I'm, I'm proud to say that I own them all. And uh, like you said, I've been reading your work for quite a while. So, I mean, it's an honor having you on my show to chat about this film. Um, I, I feel bad that it actually took us this long to, uh, to you know, uh, to, I guess, join forces. But I wanted to get your opinion real quick. I mean, obviously, I know that you get asked quite a bit about Mr. Steven Seagal. And so I don't really want to go all the way down that rabbit hole because I know you've probably talked about him numerous times. But, you know, it's really interesting. I wanted to get your take real quick on Mr. Seagal. Um, is it is it fair to say, I mean, if you look at his output of the past couple years, um, if you look at allegations against him and also his, uh, his political ideologies, I guess we can say, um, in, in the culture that we're currently in, we're kind of in this cancel culture, I guess we can call it. Is it fair to say, would you, would you say Mr. Seagal is done? I mean, have we seen the last of him, the last new Steven Seagal feature film? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, I personally, I, I, I'm done with him as far as, as, as far as making new movies, you know, I still like to look back at the old ones that I enjoy, but, um, but he seems to have kind of fled the country and have his own, thing going on where <laughs> I don't know there seems to be a way to to fund movies still as long as he can get a role where he's allowed to sit down and and not act with other actors well yeah I mean and there's a part of me I mean you've said it okay I mean you you referred to uh, his early films as the uh, as the golden run as the golden years and I completely agree with that and there's a part of me that kind of thinks maybe he should have bowed out and quit around 2002, 2003 or so, because, I mean, the past 10, 15 years, he really kind of shot himself in the foot in a lot of ways because he just overexposed himself. And he kept, I mean, I I think there were some years where he did as many as six, seven different projects. And I mean, and and I think when you're going to be going at that, at at such a quick clip like he did, um, and you're going to be playing, let's face it, the same role, the same type of character over and over again, yeah, I think fans are gonna get uh, are gonna get pretty burnt out of it. And I mean, I'll admit, man, it was uh, for me personally. It was around 2006 where I mean, you can only see Mr. Seagal play a uh, a shady CIA operative who's retired but called back in the game so many times before it gets it gets pretty tiresome. And that's one thing that I have to give Mr. Dolph Lundgren credit for, as well as Jean Claude Van Damme. Is these are guys who, even when they hit the direct to video world. They were still playing different characters and still trying new things with their uh, personas, I guess. Well, I, I I partially disagree with that only because I I feel like that was part of what made me fa- so fascinated with Seagal enough to write a book is that I, I he, he stood out from the others for exactly that reason, that, that everyone else is kind of like an actor playing a role and he was just always kind of the same guy in, in his movies for a long time. And um, I also think that the the weirdness of his straight to video movies uh, for a, for a while was definitely a big part of what me, made me interested enough to write a whole book about him. Um, but I agree that they started to get a lot more repetitive, and um, for me, it was more around the the like Russian mafia era when he got real into being a Russian mobster. <laughs> that it started okay. To, become more boring and, but it just had to do with the quality of the movies too. And, and him just kind of getting into the more modern action hero thing of like, I'm going to be there for two days and film a couple scenes and try to stretch them out for an entire movie to like, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I mean, I was going to be getting to that. That's basically what we have here with female fight squads to, to an extent. And with uh, Mr. Mr. Dolph Lundgren's role. Well, as far as Dolph, that's true. But luckily, Amy Johnston is an incredible star in her own right. So, you know, she's she's a perfect action star. So it's great that she gets to be the lead in this one. Well, and I noticed now you've, uh, yeah, you've gone into the writing fiction prose, okay, with uh, with the books Nike Town and Worm on a Hook. I mean, is it safe to say, I mean, is this... Where you anticipate staying for the uh, foreseeable future, or do you ever see yourself going back to publishing those collected works of your reviews, like Sagology and uh, Yippie Kaye Moviegoer? Um, yeah, actually, the next. I mean, I, I would love to 
write more novels and I, I love doing them. They so far they've taken me each of those took me several years to write. So um I ho- I hope to write more. But um the next the next thing that I've started working on that I'm hoping to finish next is a is a another action star related book that I've wanted to do for a long time. And I, I I'm not saying who it's about, but it's a it's one that I think will be really good. <laughs> if I can pull it off, it'll be exciting. Is, is it Dolph Lundgren? Can you at least give me that much? It's not Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Because yeah. I'm, I'm still, I'm still considering that burn here in the, you know, <laughs> so no. <laughs> um, well, and I think, I think my big question for you, and I mean, you don't have to answer it if, if you don't want to, but I'm just curious. Um, Cause I think a lot of people are probably wondering this. Why the anonymity? Why the elusive Vern? Do you ever see yourself? I, I don't know what the correct term is, but you know, alerting alerting the general public and alerting your fans. This is who I am. Or are you going to keep the uh, the anonymity going as uh, as long as possible? Well, it's um, it has it has evolved over the years. Um, when I first started out, which was around twenty more than twenty years ago, um, I was kind of writing reviews kind of as a character and as as time went on and I got more into it I became more and more myself and less of playing a character but I still kept the name Vern because I just um I feel I it's kind of it feels kind of like my better version of myself <laughs> you know <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. but it's but it's um I just like I like being Vern and people know me as Vern. It's not it's not something it's not an identity I'm protecting with my life or anything, but I just you know <laughs> if somebody found out it would be fine, you know. But I I like I like doing it the way I have. For a long time I wouldn't even talk I didn't do interviews or anything and then like the, the thing that really turned me around was um getting invited uh several years ago by uh Cine family when it existed in in LA, um, they brought me out to introduce a or to host a uh, a four film Seagal marathon, um, and it was just such a great opportunity. I wasn't going to turn it down, so that was the first time I I showed myself publicly. And so ever since then, I've loosened up about it more, and I've you know done podcasts like yours, and um, and I like that. I'm really glad that. I've done that. So I'm not as protective of it, but I'm still very. Yeah. Well, the, the, the pressure is on for me right now to make this the best possible conversation. Cause I got to, like you <laughs> said, we got to, so, um, oh, but, you know, I'm curious. Okay, I could do it. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, okay. You've written the book on Seagal, but I have to ask you, cause like I ask all the guests, what about Mr. Dolph Lundgren? Okay. Where in the, I guess the pantheon of, of action stars or the hierarchy of action stars, where has Mr. Lundgren always stood with you? And in particular, I was going to be getting this in a minute. Why this film? Okay. Out of all the, out of all the films, of all the, the crop of films that I, uh, that I gave to you, you singled out this one. So yeah, I guess uh, that, I guess that's a loaded question with a few responses, but uh, yeah. Why Mr. Lundgren and why this particular film? Well, um, my history with Dolph is, I would say I'm I'm later on him than most people, other than that I saw Rocky Four in the theater when I was a kid, so that's what I knew him from for a long time. Um, I I I loved He Man, but I was just at the right age where I was a little too. When the movie came out, I was kind of like feeling I was too old for He Man, so um, which I think was probably a good thing because I probably would have been really mad that it was so little to do with with the cartoon, but. Um, <laughs> So um, I'm sure I saw some of the other ones uh, in between, but I remember, oh yeah, I, I love I Come in Peace. Um, I, I know I had seen that at some point, but I, um, I I remember when Johnny Mnemonic came out being really excited for Dolph being in that. And there was just something so cool about this guy that had kind of become straight to video action star being in this weird cyberpunk movie that like Takeshi Kitano was also in and, playing that strange role and he was really good in it, you know? And um, so it was sometime after that, that I started more looking at him more seriously, but I still, 
you know, I had seen, um, I had, I had seen like a, a Red Scorpion, uh, and and so I I thought of him as being this kind of meathead guy, you know, because I knew him from those kind of monosyllabic roles. And then um, when I finally saw Blackjack, that really turned me around on him because he's just so charismatic in it. And it just called, it totally changed. I, you know, I already thought he was cool, but it really made me realize that there was a lot more to him than I had, than I had realized. Um, I know I, I listened to your episode about that one. Um, I know it's a silly movie, but I really love it. I, like, <laughs> I think he's really just so great in it. So um, I think it was after that when I started just, you know, checking out everything that I could with him. And, uh, and then of course, uh, when the new universal soldier movies came out, uh, he's so good in them. So I, I think, uh, one thing that I really love about him and, and also Van Damme that I think doesn't apply to Seagal is that they both are like, even though their opportunities to make movies aren't as, aren't as good as they were back in the day. Like, I feel like they've both become more interesting in age and the way that they just even the way that their faces look when they're when with the age on them, they just have so much character to them. And just the, um, you know, we, we, they've came to be, be superstars as these young, like beautiful people. And now they have this history on their faces and they just like, you know, I just, I think they're so fascinating and I'm just, they, they're just so, um, they have such a strong presence in, in movies to this day and they've both improved their acting also, I think. So. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I really respect those two. And then as for, um, I forget which movies you said were left that you had episodes about, but I, um, admittedly, this is not a, a great representative of a Dolph Lundgren movie, but I just happen to really like this movie because I just think Emmy Johnston is great and, I hope I hope that she gets more chances to make movies like this. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, gosh, almost two years ago, actually, I got to speak with uh, not only Amy Johnston, but uh, the director of this film, Miguel Ferrer. Um, both both wonderful yeah. people. Those were fun interviews. I don't know if you checked those out or not. Um, I, I did. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if you look at this film, this film is, I mean, we'll, we'll just say it. Okay. It's, it's not a Dolph Lundgren movie. Um, you could say that Dolph is, uh, he takes on a supporting role. I don't even know if I'd call it that. I think that even that is pretty generous. I think it's, it's pretty much a glorified cameo, but yeah, this film is a uh, showcase for Amy Johnston, who, I mean, you said it, okay? She's a uh, veteran of the stunt world. Um, she followed up her other film, Lady Blood Fight, with this particular film. And both this film and Lady Blood Fight really provide, um, they're essentially vehicles for her to show off her stunt and uh, and martial arts work. And she is absolutely amazing in, in both of these films. I will say, you know, uh, and we're going to be getting to this, I imagine, I love Lady Blood Fight. I think Lady Blood Fight is just a phenomenal movie. I do prefer Lady Blood Fight over this one, um, that the one we're going to be talking about today for a variety of reasons. And I imagine we'll get to that here in a minute. But, you know, what's interesting is with both this film, Female Fight Squad and Lady Blood Fight, what's interesting is the way she plays her character. Okay. She plays her character where she has a real sense of vulnerability to her character. And there are scenes where she plays it almost like she's um, hesitant and unconfident, maybe even a little naive, but once she gets ready to throw down, it's like the beast is unleashed and watch out. And I love that uh, ab- about her characters in each of these films. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Lady Lady Blood Fight is, it has better production values and it has like a lot more uh, complex fight scenes, choreography. And, and, um, and it also just has all this, you know, like martial arts philosophy that I that I love, you know, it's just a great movie. Um, so this one is, 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 you know, much kind of more, a, a simpler movie, but it's, it's really good. And I also think that one thing it does have over it is that I think her acting has improved by the time of doing this one. 
Um, not that she's, you know, she's great in, in the first one, but I think that she's her act acting wise. She's even better in this one. Um, and she, yeah. and she has a lot of, like you said, it's like, she's got a lot going on in addition to being a fighter. She's, she's got this whole kind of emotional journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this one, I mean, we're just going to be, um, you know, we can say it right now. There's really not much. I mean, I always like to kind of look at the uh, production story of each of these films um, that we go into. There's really not much of a, uh, of a story with this one. I mean, um, from, from what I gathered it, uh, very, very low budget, which I think is, is kind of evident at times with this one. Um, it's reported to have basically a $2 million budget, which really is not much to work with. I mean, we've been seeing that in quite a few of these, uh, direct video action movies, especially of the past uh, couple years. Um, this was directed by Miguel Ferrer, who a friend of the show was on a previous episode. Um, Relative novice, I guess we can say. He's directed a ton of short films and music videos, but this is really his first and only feature film. And what's interesting about this about this particular film, and we've said it on previous episodes as well, but I mean, th- this one is, I guess, one of the prime examples of it, where what the production is doing is they have an aging action star Okay, who they are throwing uh, front and center of this. Okay, kind of making you think that maybe you know to the unsuspecting person who's going to the red box screen or whatever it may be, thinking that maybe it's a Dolph Lundgren movie. When in reality, he is taking a supporting backseat role and letting someone younger do the heavy lifting. I mean, we've seen this. This is kind of the mo for all of those Bruce Willis films that we've seen of the past ten years. Um, I think we can say Seagal is guilty of uh, of doing something like this as well. Um, and so you look at it and you think, man, it's, it's a bit of a sucker's game. I feel a little duped. Having said that, I mean, you already said it, and I imagine we're going to be talking about it quite a bit. Amy Johnston is amazing. So if you're going to have, I mean, if you're going to kind of pull the wool over our eyes and, you know, this is not going to be a Dolph Lundgren movie, I think Amy Johnston is a phenomenal person to take the lead. Yeah, I can see how it certainly is designed for that, but I, um, you know, to make someone go, Oh, Dolph Lundgren movie. But I mean, I knew I, I wanted to see an Amy Johnston movie. And so to me, it's like, it could have been just some dude as her dad, but instead it's like this new Amy Johnston movie and Dolph Lundgren is her dad. That's so cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that, um, like you can picture it could be the same movie with, with oh, definitely. somebody who was not Dolph Lundgren and it wouldn't be as cool. Um, but I also had forgotten that he actually has a fight scene in the movie. Um, because I just kind of remembered him talking to her on the phone from prison and stuff, but he he actually does have a scene at the prison where he's fighting some guys, <laughs> which was pretty cool. Well, and the plot on this one is is pretty straightforward and simple. I mean, it's a fighting movie, so I mean, you really don't need much more than that. I think where, um, yeah, Amy Johnston she plays the character of Becca. Her name keeps changing throughout the film. It go, it's it's Becca, then it's Bex, Bex, Bex and then I think the it's, Beast. It's, Bex the Beast, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's what well, she's a trained badass fighter, but she's she's also given that life up where she now works in an animal shelter, which also services the plot to I think kind of let the audience know that hey, she's a good person. You know what I mean? They they could have had her working with blind mm-hmm. kids, but uh, but <laughs> they have her working <laughs> at an animal shelter. And her her and dream. Was, I like that her dream is. I'm sorry. I, I like no, that her no, dream yeah. is to move to to Africa to work at this African uh, animal preserve or something. That that was an um, that was an original twist on the the dream that the person is trying to get the money for. You know. Well, and it does have a bit of a payoff at the end, which we're going to be getting to, which I think comes off as more laughable and hilarious than I think it's intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you talking about the? The digital shot. Oh, the the green, <laughs> the, the green the screen green, with the elephants, green and yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get to that. I as I have a few thoughts on that. Um, yeah. But uh, so yeah, her. Um, I mean, if we just run through the plot real quick, yeah. So she has an estranged sister, okay, um, played by Courtney Palm, um, who contacts her and hopes to get Becca to help train a group of gals in, in winning this underground fighting tournament against other women. Um, Becca, of course, is hesitant at first, but she eventually succumbs when she finds out that uh, 
Kate not only owes the evil fighting promoter a ton of money, but also that Kate has a sick daughter at home who needs to be cared for. So there, okay, right. What that's given us is that's given us our, uh, our stakes. What's, what's interesting is I wanted to get your take on Courtney Palm. I, 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 I guess she's done a lot of TV and a lot of uh, low budget films. I, I think she did the film uh, Zom Beavers, which I guess was a cult hit, <laughs> a big hit with, uh, with some um, people, but to be honest, I've never seen Courtney Palm, but she gets like, she doesn't get top billing, but she's like, I mean, her name is on the DVD cover of this thing. So I guess anybody who's a fan of Courtney Palm turned up for this one. Uh, yeah, I actually did know who she was. I've, I've seen some Zombievers. <laughs> and um, she was in one called Silent Night, I believe, that was that's sort of, sort of a remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that she's in a lot of the time. But I like her. I mean, she isn't as convincing. Well, she, she handles the fight scenes. Well, I should, I should say she doesn't look like a, like tough initially, you know, but she, I like her. She has a good screen presence. I think. Well, what do you think of the, uh, of the actor who, who plays the fighting promoter and the organizer of these fights? So, I mean, he's our main villain. He's played by uh, an actor by the name of Roy Goyos. Uh, the character's name is Landon Jones. I mean, I don't know how you felt about him, and I imagine we're going to be saying a few things about him. Look, I get that he's a villain, but there are moments where he's overacting a little bit, and it's it's fairly distracting. Um, I also don't think it helps that they gave his character a beard. I think the beard is kind of distracting, and he also likes to eat ice cream menacingly. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on uh, on this on this character? Uh, I liked him actually, um, not as a person, but as a character. He see normally I would want the main villain to be someone who can actually fight, so that they can have a good fight at the end. But I thought he was a really good uh, version of this type of douchey bad guy um i think what i i think what i like about this movie and i i I really like this type of movie that it's like very much constructed out of familiar conventions that that we've seen in a lot of action movies but then they just kind of put these little bits of of quirky little flavor on the different parts of it and so for example his character um they have that weird scene where they meet in the library and they talk to each other as if they're not enemies. And he tells her that he b- builds birdhouses and it just seems like <laughs> a random, it seems like a random weird thing that he made up. But then later you see his place and he has birdhouses all over the place. <laughs> and I don't know what that would mean about him, but it's like a weird, uh, like a, I enjoy when a villain has a weird thing like that, that for some reason he's really into making birdhouses and the, um, the ice cream bar I liked because he 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 not only eats it menacingly, but he takes it out of a freezer that has dead bodies in it. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so you think that he is just doing it for show, but then he goes ahead and eats the ice cream anyway. So, um, and yeah. I also liked his move where he sits on the piano and starts banging against the he he bangs against the wires of the piano while they're fighting and sort of makes a soundtrack to the to yeah the fight. and then later you he know, gets thrown actually, on the piano yeah you know it's funny i think you've yeah i think you've actually maybe gotten me to turn around on him a bit because i think in a lot of these films <laughs> the the villain can be fairly one note and i guess you could argue to an extent maybe he is but you're right there are little touches now that now that we're kind of talking about it, the um, you know him taking the ice cream out of the freezer with the dismembered bodies and the piano. I mean, the, those those scenes as well are uh, are pretty well done. Um, I'm still not a huge fan of the beard. Um, that I, I think it's a little distracting, but uh, I guess that's super. Well, uh, yeah. Well, uh, what I appreciate about the beard is that I'm a I'm a Gen X guy, and I don't relate to that kind of fashion at all. And so he seems like this kind of I feel like I automatically don't like him because of his his choice of of uh yeah the way that he manicures himself. Yeah I, Vern are you telling me that you don't have a man bun? Come on that that's the coolest fashion trend <laughs> ever to <laughs> some people can pull it off. I would not be able to so if we just run down the list of uh looking at other characters we're gonna be getting to Dolph in a minute but um we also have to look at uh, Chuck Zito 
Okay, Chuck Zito. Okay, the uh, the I don't know if you want to say infamous or not, but I think uh, anyone who knows the world of action and or who has uh, heard Van Dam's or the stories about Van Dam, I guess he has a bit of a history with uh, Mr. Zito. But uh, yeah, Chuck Zito shows up as the owner of a gym where the uh, gals go to train. Um, he's also a former friend to uh, Dolph's Holt character. And he's taken on this uh, kind of father figure role to Becca and Kate since their dad was sent to prison. I, I will say, you know what? He's okay. Um, acting isn't really necessarily his forte. But I would say right now, he's actually much better in this than he was. He did a movie, and the name is escaping me now, but he did a film with Randy Couture where he was assisting Randy Couture like as these like hunts in the jungles or whatever. And He's pretty terrible in that one. What is the name of that film? I'll, I'll come up with I think it's Antidote. Is it Antidote? Maybe that's it. Anyway. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. He honestly hasn't made a huge impression on me usually, but I, I, I enjoyed him in this movie. He's not a huge part. He's, so he just gets to be this kind of lovable uncle guy. Like I like that relationship with between him and Bex the beast because um it's just like he's this very kind of cartoonishly manly dude and he but he's very love loving to her and like they i think they hug and stuff if i remember <laughs> i don't know he's see yeah. he, i like that kind of nice macho guy character well and then we get to uh we get to dolph okay we get to our man of the hour um mr lundgren plays the character of holt who, like we said, is Becca and Kate's father. We find out that he is imprisoned, and it's made very clear that he is the one who uh, taught his daughters how to fight and defend themselves. He's really not in the film that much at all, maybe even four scenes. And you know what's interesting? I mean, his character, I mean, if you really look at this film and you step back a bit, his character really isn't necessary to the plot. I mean, and you could you could basically take Dolph's character out of this film completely. And I think the film, the narrative is still going to work. It's still going to hit those beats. It's going to work just fine. And I mean, you, you said it earlier, which I, which I completely agree with. I think anyone else could have been cast to play this character. I mean, you could have cast anyone else to play um, this, uh, this wrongly imprisoned dad who's in jail or excuse me, prison for that matter. But I think, I mean, Dolph, I mean, look, we, we've talked about on the show numerous times. When Dolph is on screen, he has that presence and that ability about him where, I mean, he just sucks the air out of the room, okay? And so I yeah. think his um, his involvement, I mean, <laughs> let's also say it, his involvement, I think, helped secure more financing to even get this film made. So who knows if Eva would have been made without him. Yeah. But you you look at it, and yeah, his, his presence really helps add to the film. It helps it... Uh, I think stand out just a notch above everything else that kind of permeates the market these days, to be honest. Yeah. If it was somebody else, you'd be, you'd be going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Why? We don't need this. You know, <laughs> when you get to those scenes, but when it's him, you're like, Oh, it's Dolph. You know, it's like exciting to have his, his little appearances and to see him. There's like a little bit of him sparring with her or training with her, you know, he's holding the pads for her. And that was cool to see that little moment. Well, and that was something that uh, Amy Johnston told me as well. I, at least I'm pretty sure she did when we spoke is just, you know, she didn't get a heck of a lot of time with Dolph, uh, obviously on screen or in the film. Cause I imagine, mm-hmm. I can't imagine Dolph was filming more than three, four days, if that even on this film. But I remember her um, singling out the scene where he's holding the pads for her. I mean, and that, and, and you got to think about it too. I mean, imagine being a, uh, someone who grew up on these films like you and I did, and suddenly you're getting to take the lead in one of these films and he is kind of holding the mitts for you as you're practicing. <laughs> like that's gotta be a, a, a dream come true for so many, at least I know it would be for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do. Actually, I remember what I was going to say. They, his character does provide a little twist in the plot, at least. The surprise that we we we've been led to believe that he killed these guys to, or he may have killed these guys to protect, uh, out of anger for what they did to his daughter. Um, but eventually, we learned that it was actually her that did it, and that he kind of took the fall for her. Right. So that's that's right. kind of like a char- character reveal about her as. Yeah, and we do get a uh, a pretty cool um, 
fight scene. I mean, you you already mentioned it as well. But yeah, we do get a. Uh, I mean, and that's what the cool, the really cool thing is. I mean, if you compare Mr. Lundgren to Mr. Seagal, I mean, okay, when when Seagal's on screen for his total of ten, twelve minutes or whatever. And when he does fight, it's not even him fighting. It's a stunt double, if you will. Okay, shot from the back. But here, I think the the, uh, the producers of this one made a uh, a pretty wise move in that they were saying, okay, look, even if we're only going to have Dolph on screen for maybe four minutes, we have to give the fans a fight scene. We have to give them, you know, something that they uh, that they paid money for in uh, in renting this. And so, yeah, he gets a really cool fight scene where he fends off a few goons who are harassing him in prison. He's, he's basically, he's working, he's working on something in the, uh, in the prison. What is it? He's fixing, he's fixing something before he gets um, accosted by a few. And, and you know, what's interesting about this scene too, is again, you could take, the, <laughs> you could take this scene out of the film completely and it's still going to run just fine narratively. It's a cool scene but it's not entirely necessary. Yeah, I agree. The, um, that scene, you know, I, I, I don't subscribe to the opinion that, that a scene that doesn't advance the plot always is a bad thing, <laughs> you know, especially in a martial arts movie. And we do get a fun meta joke about his chemical engineering background, which, you know, you, oh, you know, true, yeah. okay, you know <laughs> that that um, that that joke was put in at the very last minute. You know what I mean? Like it was that pink page that was squeezed into the script on the day of shooting, um, and it still works. It's 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 light. It's you know, but he mentions that he has a uh, master's in chemical engineering. I think everybody knows at this point that uh, you know the, uh, about Mr. Lundgren's background. So it's it's kind of fun when we see those meta jokes brought up. Yeah. And so if we look at the, uh, if we go back to the plot, okay, um, so yeah, at first, okay, Becca is, li- like any hero going on a hero's journey, I guess we could say, um, at first Becca is, um, her role is to just work with this crew of fighters and train them. That's it. She's just, uh, she's, you know, working with them and uh, just training them. Um, Becca has made it very clear that she doesn't fight anymore due to circumstances that come to light later in the film. Um it's four gals that she is uh, training. Um, obviously, Courtney Palms, Kate character, and also who shows up. This kind of um, threw me for a bit of a loop. But uh, Levy Tran is also one of the gals who is going to, uh, coincidentally, she's actually reuniting with Dolph later on this year in uh, Expendables 4. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, the the the, the tattooed gal. She's going to be in Expendables 4. What her role is exactly, I don't I don't. I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) okay. Yeah. Yeah. I realized that's funny that you say that because I was looking at her name and knowing that it was familiar. And I think it was because I saw that picture of all the expendables. Um, Yeah. That's great. That's great to know that. And so eventually Becca does begrudgingly decide to enter the underground tournament um, after, unfortunately, when uh, Kate is uh, brutally attacked, which eventually leads to her death. So any Courtney Palm fans, sorry, spoilers, but she does not make it uh, uh, through the uh, duration of the film. Um, there, there is a really odd scene, and I wanted to get your uh, your take and opinion on it. There's a very, very bizarre scene. I get, I get that it's done for style. I also get that it's done to kind of um, help move the narrative along, if you will. But it just comes across as kind of bizarre a, a bit so basically they uh simultaneously show a uh, a love scene between becca and her ex-boyfriend potter who's played by sean ferris um interestingly this scene actually takes place at the gym in the ring after hours so uh, there you go there um okay but <laughs> but the scene is actually um interspersed with kate getting jumped outside and she's narrowly beaten to death. So it's a really odd juxtaposition that we're seeing such a, a brutal assault on this, uh, on this gal. And then her sister is finding um, her sister being uh, Amy Johnston, of course, her sister finding happiness. I wanted to get your take there on, uh, on that moment. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, I mean, that's kind of standard. It's just like, she is having this, good moment but she doesn't realize that she is not there to protect her sister you know but it's unfair for her she should she should be able to have some time to herself (laughs) yes (laughs) well and 
one of the one of the main problems with the film, okay, I mean, so we, we we've talked about you know all of the characters and everything, but now I wanted to really get into the the nitty gritty of of um, many of the many of the moments, okay. And so I don't know where you felt about it. I mean, okay, obviously, okay, we we've said it before, and I want to reiterate it again. Amy Johnston is amazing, okay, in this film. But in my opinion, I'd say one of the the big issues with this particular movie is, okay, for a film centered around the world of fighting, okay, then I think the direction should really focus on this aspect and be thrilling, okay? And here, because, and I'm not I'm not trying to mitigate Mr. Uh, Miguel Ferrer, um, his talents by any means, but because Ferrer really doesn't have much of a background in this area, this is his first movie, the fights just really kind of lay there, and they're not very fun. They, they feel very choreographed and they don't have that, that wow factor. They don't have the action that I think one would come to expect from a film like this. Now, I think if you had put uh, Isaac Florentine or Jesse V. Johnson at the helm of this, then yeah, you could have done something really, really cool. But I don't know, man, I, as I was watching this again on my most recent viewing, um, the, the direction I think is what really, really lets this film down. Well, I agree that Florentine or Johnson would have done a better job or they do manage to in their movies. But I also think it's, I feel like it's better than a lot of movies of this type that I've seen um, as far as, you know, showing the fights clearly. And, but they are kind of more simple along the lines of like a nineties, um, you know, like the lesser kind of fight tournament movies where the fighting is pretty straightforward and simple. But um, I don't know. I liked, I don't necessarily disagree, but I liked the characters and the story enough that I, I, I got into it, you know. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, and one admirable thing, I mean, we talked about, okay, the, maybe the fight scenes are not as choreographed as maybe as, the, as well as they should be. But, you know, one thing that I really, really picked up on that, I um, I guess we can say that I appreciated about this one. I think it's very, very admirable about how in this film, the women are not overly sexualized. Okay. I think if this film had been made in the, uh, in the late nineties, early two thousands, that's how it would have been played out. And I think we would have gotten some pretty unnecessary scenes where they would uh, basically be supermodels, if you will. You know what I mean? Here, and I don't know if you if you thought this as well, but here, I mean, the women in this film, yes, they are easy on the eyes. We can say that, but they are all just tough, badass women who really engage in some true physical combat. And that's one thing that I appreciated is just how they're not um, unnecessarily and overly, you know, sexualized to kind of titillate the male audience. Yeah, I agree. And I also appreciate that there's not a whole lot of the men insinuating threats to them you know there's there's the one part where the where the guy touches the fighter's butt and she uh <laughs> and she like oh, breaks yes. his wrist which was a good a good scene but i like that they um they don't they don't you they don't do too much of that kind of yeah they don't they don't threaten victimizing them because they're women they just they're just clearly the also, all the men in it kind of like easily get beat up by the women when it comes down to it. <laughs> the women are the bad actors in this movie. But don't you think, I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with this or not, but can you imagine if this had been made in, say, 99, 2000? I mean, we would have gotten, I don't know, we would have at least gotten a shower yeah. scene. We would have gotten, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? A lot of yeah. more mid-riffs and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're all very, they're all very tough and cool yeah i mean this is this is a film that i think um i think you know obviously i think it's mostly um the male audience who's going to be coming to this but i think if uh if if females did turn you know turn this particular film on they're going to come away and think you know that was pretty flattering i i would i would think i may maybe and maybe i'm speaking completely out of turn with that but so, so Kate's, uh, Kate's character is, I mean, we already touched upon it, but Kate's character is killed, 
which forces Becca to step back in the ring. We knew this was going to happen, but uh, yeah, it happens. Um, This forces Becca to step back into the ring once again out of vengeance. Um, We find out that uh, uh, Landon, okay, this is the, uh, the, the villain, okay, this promoter character, he hired his top fighter to get Kate out of commission for good. And so Becca, um, not only decides to take on the role of mother to her niece, but also find Landon and bring an end to all of the violence. You know, something else that, that I, I want to go to real quick that I wanted to get your opinion about, but obviously, okay. The main character, I think at the, at the, at the heart of this film is, is the fighting. Okay. And I, I don't know, were you wanting just a little bit more as far as the background of these fights, like why they're being put on and how, the how women found out about them or anything like that how this landon character decided to even become an entrepreneur and start these up i think even if you know even just a few passing lines of dialogue would have serviced that we would have gotten a little bit more where these fights are taking place that's something else that we really don't see we we know that they're underground but where exactly like what is this well well remember there was that one part that kind of um Established it at the beginning and don't really show it again, but they walk through that big warehouse. Oh right. It seemed nice. like it was like kind of in the back of a warehouse that was that was cover for it where there's and it was implied that there's like all kinds of like a, a wide variety of cr- criminal activities. Yeah, the, doesn't she say there's oh, like back right. fights so. and stuff? When Maybe when they're so. coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that they kind of imply this this horrible world going on in, in Vegas, but they don't, you're right. They don't show very much of it, but, um, and I would be happy to learn more, but I, 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 I it didn't, it didn't strike me as uh, something that was missing. Well, and I mean, so if we look at one of the twists, okay, there is a twist. I mean, that, that you already kind of alluded to earlier regarding uh, Dolph's character. We find out that, um, yeah, Dolph's character, um, Holt, was wrongly imprisoned because, and, and again, th- this kind of works twofold, okay? Not only does it show us that Dolph is a um, is a caring dad who will do anything for his daughters, but it also works in further establishing that uh, Becca's character is a beast literally okay that she is amazing um we find out um kate was uh was assaulted by a few guys and so becca just completely destroys them all in retaliation um dolph's holt character shows up and because he is a dad who's willing to protect his daughters he smears himself with all of their blood and tells becca to run away um thus allowing himself to take the fall and this is why we see becca at the beginning of the movie so quiet and so morose and so um, against the idea of fighting. Yeah. And she's been, it's also why she hasn't seen her sister and, or, or her boyfriend who she ghosted. And so now she's back. It's one of these coming back into town when everyone, uh, no one knows what happened to you kind of stories. Well, and I mean, if so, if we look at the final, uh, at the final act, okay, the big, the final fight, I guess we can say. I mean, I don't know about, I don't know how you felt about it or not, okay? But in my opinion, okay, look, and I've seen a lot of these tournament fight movies, okay? I think I think the gold standard in a lot of ways is Enter the Dragon, Bloodsport, um, The Quest. The Quest is a fantastic one as well. I, I guess you could even say Mortal Kombat. But I felt like, okay, for a film of this nature, it really should end in the ring, Okay, I mean, this is a fighting movie, and for there not to be a final fight in the ring where Becca takes on not just the promoter, but maybe the absolute top fighter, like the ultimate beast, if you will, was a bit of a letdown. I was a little disappointed. Instead, instead of having a final fight in the ring, okay, where, you know, winner takes all, if you will, instead, there really aren't that many stakes, okay? Uh, Becca storms Landon's office. No one is a fair fight against her. She completely wipes the floor with uh, Landon's top fighter. She mows through everyone, even Landon. Landon puts up a little bit of a fight at the end. How he knows these uh, these skills to even take her on, even for as long as he does, they never say. But did you, uh, I, I don't know, do you see where I'm coming from? Do you, would you agree? Um, that makes sense, but I, I also have seen a lot of fighting tournament movies, and I feel like this one... 
I, I think the reason it works for me is like kind of like you said, the fights aren't the best part of it, you know? So the emphasis to me isn't as much on it being a, a tournament or a fighting circuit. It's just that um, it's more kind of the, the drama of, of Becca and what she's trying to do. And so um, when I look back at the fights, I, I liked the characters, um, but really when I think about the parts I liked, it's more like when she was training them, um, like that part where she is showing that she's just dodging. They can't even hit her. She's just kind of leaning back and dodging all their, all their strikes and everything. Um, or like the part where she beats up the guy at the dog shelter at the beginning. Um, and then at the end when she, um, I love, I love the, the raid, or I forget how you referred to it, where she storms the, the office. I loved how they set that up with the guy seeing her on the security monitors. And you just see this series of, security camera views of her beating up different guys as she's working her way to the to the office and the and the the fact that the uh assistant guy uh doesn't want to fight her and just leaves oh yeah <laughs> i always like it when that happens <laughs> uh and he seemed i forget what he said to her i think he kind of supported her in beating the shit out of his boss <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think in a lot of cases I would agree with you on that, but I, for me, it worked in this, in this story. Well, and there is a, uh, it's completely unintentional. I think we can say, but the ending of this film is sweet. It is nice. I mean, it does end on a happy note where um, Becca, her, yeah, you're already laughing as well. We're going to get into a burn, but <laughs> so um, now with Landon completely out of the picture. Okay. Um, uh, Kate's uh, debts have been, have been cleared, I guess we can say, um, because the other, we, we see the, uh, the other fighter gals, they, they get all that money that they're to split between them. And so Becca, her niece, the one-legged dog that Becca fell in love with at the, uh, at the beginning of the film in the shelter. And then Holt, who is freshly released from prison. They all reunite in Africa and they embrace as they are ready to um, start a new life. Um, This is all done amongst a really cool, I put cool cool in quotes there. um, This is all done against a, a really cool uh, African green screen complete with elephants and whatnot as uh, credits roll. You know, it's one of those things where, look, I get that the character wanted to go to Africa, but I almost kind of wonder should they have just done a beach? I mean, I, I would like to think, couldn't the production have afforded a beach or something like that that they wrote in instead of this ridiculous green screen of them looking off at a safari? The, the intentions, I think, Vern, the, the intentions are noble and nice, but in the end, it's I'm watching it, and I'm just like, what? what is this here? <laughs> yeah, I, I only laugh because it's a cheesy shot, but I I like it as a happy ending, you know. I like that they're all together and <laughs> living happily ever after. Although I do dream of a, a Bex the Beast having to protect the the wildlife preserve from people and oh, this, this, teaming up with her dad. And the stuff. sequel that's still a possibility. <laughs> the sequel that's still a possibility. Well, I mean, and knowing Amy Johnston and knowing Dolph, I think if the budget is right and the, uh, the there is a story to tell, I think something like that could be done. Um, sadly, I don't think, uh, I think this is pretty much a one and done project where, you know, they got it, they got their foreign sales at the offset and, um, they simply released the film, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think that would be, that would be kind of a cool, uh, sequel in a sense. Yeah. I, I just, um, I just want to see her star in movies really. And especially movies like this where she, yeah. um, where she has a job where she gets in trouble for beating up some dudes. And so <laughs> some guys are being jerks at her normal day job that she has, and she has to beat them up. So she gets in trouble and then leaves town and does has an adventure. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're, we're here at the end, Vern. Um, like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure and it's an absolute treat getting to chat with you. But um, okay. So here we are. I always like to do two recommends. Okay. One as a, one as an action film in general, and then one as a Dolph Lundgren film. So on either of those fronts, I'm curious, does this particular film get a, uh, get a recommend from you? What do you have to say? 
Yeah, as far as uh, if someone rents it thinking that they're going to get a full-on Dolph Lundgren movie, then they might be disappointed uh, since he's not in it very much. But it is a really good action movie, and it is of the type that, um, you know, I think it fits into the same genre of Dolph Lundgren type movies. And so I would encourage anyone that's into that to give it a shot. Thank you. Thank you. Well said to the point. I like it. Yeah. No, you know, I mean, for me, this was, this was a bit of a tough one. I mean, I think it's fair to say, I think you enjoyed it um, uh, a little bit more than I did. Um, I will say there are parts of this film that I really, really wanted to like, because I think at its core, again, this is a very simple meat and potatoes fighting movie which I love. Okay. This is a very simplistic meat and potatoes, you know, fight tournament movie. Um, sadly for me, I didn't think the fight scenes were really that exciting or good. I mean, it's, you know, what's interesting is it's very evident that there's talent on screen, but unfortunately I don't think that there are people behind the scenes that are simply experienced enough to make this really, really stand out and work. I think the low, low budget is very, very evident at times, which sadly add a uh, kind of a cheap look and feel to this one. Um, on the other hand, though, okay, plus side, I will say it does show audiences the abilities of Amy Johnston, who, for my money, is one of the coolest female action stars around today. Um, but compared to Lady Bloodfight, I think... This one pales in comparison. I would say um, everyone who is listening and you have not seen Lady Blood Fight, I would say check that one out first and then maybe see this one. Um, for a Dolph Lundgren film, I mean, he's simply not in it much to really recommend. And the fight scene that he is in that uh, we talked about earlier is... I felt it was kind of choreographed fairly slowly, so it wasn't really very exciting either. Um, however, it is kind of fun. If you're going to look at this film as a uh, as a Dolph Lundgren performance, it is. There's certain kind of fun um, seeing Dolph taking on this kind of wise sage mentor role for a change, which I thought was really cool. Which coincidentally is actually what many of these action stars are doing nowadays, where they're getting older, so they're kind of stepping aside and kind of allowing the new buck to come in and run the show. In the end, I think it's a fun cameo of a role, but there's just not much else with this film that really needs to be mentioned. I think it's kind of a, a fine one-and-done viewing experience, for me at least. Yeah, well, I will um, I really liked it when I watched it uh, when I first bought it, and then when I rewatched it the other day, um, I was surprised. Um, I, I felt like, oh, this is better than I even remembered it being. So, so I'll say two and done for me at least. Two and done. <laughs> Probably well, not is it, I own it. I could watch it again at any moment. Well, yeah, I, I own it too. So is it a fair to say, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, are you a purist for physical media as well? Do you have a extensive large collection at home as well? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I, I'm, uh, I haven't gone to 4K, but I have a lot of Blu-rays and DVDs. And I, I, we actually have an amazing video store in Seattle, so I actually still rent stuff all the time. Man, it's it's so cool meeting someone else because I feel like we're becoming kind of a rare breed, people like you and I. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well before before I let you go, I mean, first of all, I'll just say it again. Thank you so so very much for uh, for for taking the time to uh, to come on the show and chat with me. Um, I, b- before I let you go, yeah, I really want to. Uh, uh, let you plug anything else that you're working on. I mean, I know that you update your website outlaw Vern um, very, very regularly. Um, you kind of hinted at another book that is, uh, that is in the works, but is there anything else that, uh, that you want to give a shout out to or anything you want to mention for, for us to check out? Um, yeah, you already, thanks. Thanks for mentioning that stuff. And you mentioned, I, I wrote a book called where I'm on a hook about a year ago. Um, that's a, an action horror novel and i'm very proud of that so uh if you want to see a, uh if you want to hear a story that combines like a friday the 13th type slasher with a ex-cia badass type of character then um that could be played by amy johnston if there was a movie uh then check out where i'm on a hook and that can be uh, found on amazon is that correct and other uh, uh, yeah. other booksellers okay Right on. Well, I'll of course include a link to that on the uh, on the show notes. But uh, Vern, 
I mean, dude, this has been great. I've been reading your stuff for uh, for the longest time. It's 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 an absolute treat uh, having you on the show. And I mean, if you're willing, man, I'd love to have you back on. There's still quite a few films in the uh, in the filmography of Dolph. So if you're willing and you'd like to come back, I'd uh, there's a there's a spot for you always. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, and thank you for spreading the word about Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 <laughs> what great. I do. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> All right. Important, important work. Well, to everyone out there who is listening, please feel free to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews. And we'll see you all next time on I Must Break, this podcast. Mm-hmm.